0: Be a light, not a judge, be a model, model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. We're back in action. I almost feel like I'm forgetting to do something. I need my checklist it's like do this, and then you do this, and you do this, because it's been so long, man. Welcome back to Insight Live with Brendan Kumarasami from Master Talk, and I'm Billy Samoa. It's good to have you all join us, and we're gonna talk about how to learn from world changers. And Brendan, you are somebody that I truly admire when it comes to embracing the knowledge that you get from other people you are a student of so many remarkable people so many people that are in fact changing the world doing things that are so noteworthy and i'm super curious man like what's your process like i want to like dive in and talk through that and really get an idea of what exactly you do to Learn and to not only like because it's easy to hear information, it's easy to get information and to be immersed in live trainings, online trainings, videos, podcasts, all these different things. But it's a whole other thing to really live and embody what it is you're learning and putting it into practice and actually applying what you learn. Like, let's break down step by step how you do that. We'll go from there. So, what's your process, man?
1: Absolutely, man. It's great to be back, Billy. Always a pleasure. So, let's start with the the foundation, which is the one, two, three easy steps that anyone can implement. And then from those three steps, we can go deeper from there. So, number one is figure out your goals. What do you want out of this world? What do you want to achieve? Do you want a six pack? Do you want to start a YouTube channel? Do you want to have a podcast? Do you want to cook recipes? Like, Figure out what it is that you want. Write it down on a piece of paper. So that's going to help you get clear about, and pay attention to this, about how you consume knowledge and how you apply knowledge, how you consume knowledge and apply knowledge. If your goal is to climb Mount Everest, you probably want to listen to some rock climbers or people who have done that. If your goal is to get drafted in the NBA, you might spend your time listening to Kobe Bryant and LeBron James interviews. And if your goal is to make the best possible cake in the world, you'll probably listen to a couple of bakers. So it's all based on what is your goal? What do you want to achieve in the world? That's number one. Write that down on a piece of paper. Number two is what I call the filtering process. The filtering process means, are you willing to listen to enough people to then figure out who you want to go deep on, which is number three. Pick your five to 10 first people that inspire you the most, that are the most aligned to who you want to model your life against and study those people at a deeper level. So let's do a quick example. Well, actually, an analogy is super easy. It's kind of like if you want to pick a great wedding, right? A great marriage partner, a great dating relationship. It's the same thing. Or a business partnership. You want to define what it is that you're looking for, who you're looking for, Number two, you want to filter on a lot of people and figure out out of those hundreds of dates, those hundreds of relationships, those hundreds of handshakes, who are the people that actually meet your definition of what a great relationship, romantic, or business looks like. And then number three is go deep on the people that meet those criteria. Same thing with knowledge. And that's exactly what I did. I defined what I was looking for. And then I watched hundreds of episodes of Lewis House's podcast. And then I picked my five to 10 and I went deep on those individuals.
0: Okay. So once you've done that and you've picked those people, before we get that, let's talk about a little bit about the selection process. So clearly you need to know, you know, which direction you want to go. So that's part of it. But what else should somebody be thinking about as they're selecting the people who they model, what their goals are and how they go about achieving their goals? Like what goes into that decision-making process?
1: It's a great question. And that's going to vary based on who you're speaking to, but I would say as a broad concept, Number one, your goals really help you. Another piece that I use personally is especially an interview style podcast. Actually, let me explain that first. The reason why I'm such a big advocate of podcasts as a filtering system than any other medium is because the quickest way to figure out somebody's personality and their knowledge base in a very short period of time. Think of this podcast right now. It's very quick for people to listen to 10 minutes of what we're talking about and then make a decision on what it is that we're trying to make a decision on. So let's say, for example, somebody listens to us for 10 minutes. They'll either say, oh, wow, this Billy and this Brendan guy are worth listening to. Or they'll say, oh, Jesus, why did I just spend 10 minutes listening to these two? But you'll make a decision on which category you'll fall under. That's why I'm a big fan of podcasts versus books, because in a book, you have to invest like hours of your life listening. And you don't feel the words. You don't feel the emotion of the human being who wrote it in many cases. So I'm a big fan of podcasts. But the other piece on podcasts specifically is be very mindful about the host and the show that you pick. I'll give you a big example. So I got lucky where I just found Lewis when I was in my early twenties and Lewis was big on me. I just grew on him. I mean, he grew on me. He was awesome. I love his personality. I love how he pretends to be dumb in interviews to get the best information. I love his curiosity, the way he leads conversations. And he's also a quality human being that I want to be in many ways. So because of that, always keep in mind that when it's an interview-style podcast, they are essentially introducing you to the best people in their network. So if Lewis knows 10,000 people and he's got 500 spots for a podcast interview, he's naturally going to select the top 500 of his network to be on that show if his goal is to maximize the number of views and downloads. So with that assumption in mind, what I would encourage all of you to start thinking about is who's that one, two, or three hosts that you really deeply admire that they can then introduce their network to, especially people you don't know.
0: Okay, so what if somebody, for whatever reason, is not a fan of podcasts? Are you an advocate for Hey, like you need to be a fan of podcasts or do you think there's another medium that might be right for somebody else who likes to digest information in a different way?
1: If I'm being honest, I would encourage people to be fans of podcasts. It's weird that I usually don't say that kind of stuff. I usually say there's different ways of getting to the solution. But I think the reason why I'm such a big fan of podcasts and by the way, just to make this really clear, I don't mean Joe Rokin. Joe Rogan's a big time investment. It's like three hours an episode. That's not worth it as much. Even if Joe's an awesome interviewer, I meant more in the sense of 30 minute, one hour, one hour and a half, maybe even 20 minutes type podcast, because it's just easier for you to filter through information a lot faster because a lot of great thought leaders don't have their own YouTube channels, as an example. like Take some guy I follow that I deeply appreciate. Shamat Paliapatiya, he's the founder of Social Capital, has done incredible things in his life. And he doesn't really have a YouTube channel. He doesn't have time to make one. And Peter Thiel as well, someone I deeply follow, the author of the book Zero to One, doesn't have a YouTube channel, same thing as Scott Harrison from Charity Water. But I think the key is there's every, every great thought leader, most of them, not all of them, but very high percentage of them, even somebody like Phil Knight who's super introverted, the founder of Nike, he, he still has somebody interviewed him on their podcast at some point. So that's why I'm personally a bigger fan, unless you're a speed reader.
0: Great. I'm glad you said that last part because I was actually just thinking to myself, I listen to podcasts at a fast pace. I'm listening two or three X at at times. Curious what your approach is there in terms of how fast you listen, but then also what are you doing as you listen to these shows? Because I think that could also be helpful under the umbrella of how you learn from these people. What are you doing to take what you've learned and make sure that it sticks.
1: Right. So I think that a good way of of explaining this one, Billy, it's it's a quote by Brendan Bouchard that I really like. And the quote is, common knowledge isn't always common practice. What does that mean? It means stuff that we know, stuff, knowledge that we learn or things that we get on day-to-day basis, just because we know it, it doesn't mean we necessarily apply it in our lives. So going back to your point around how fast do I listen to podcasts? Once again, this is my personal preference. Everyone's got their own taste and flavor, but I hate listening to podcasts at two or three X speed. And the reason is simply this. I want to take the time. My brain is not as smart as most people in the world. Like I need time to process the information. I reflect on it. I take notes on it. So if it's going two to three X, my brain just can't process that information fast enough. In terms of what I do when I'm listening to the episode, so a couple of thoughts. Number one, I'm always taking notes. So I know a lot of people listen to podcasts when they're like on a commute or something, like a car when they're driving. That doesn't work for me. That's why I don't drive, actually. Actually, that I'm scared of driving, kind of, if I'm being honest. But the other piece of that, as I I take notes, a couple of things. Number one is what is the knowledge that that individual is sharing that I haven't heard before? So if that person is saying something fairly unique or close to unique or something I don't necessarily apply in my life, I write that down. That's one part of the note-taking. The second part of the note-taking is key takeaways. So key takeaways means I look at all my notes and I just summarize the conversation if it's good enough. And most of the time, it isn't at this point, probably 80 or 90% it isn't. But the other 10% is like absolute gold that blows my mind. So it's worth it. And in that 10%, I ask myself, okay, what are the three key takeaways that I can reapply into my life? Is it a small thought? Is it a big action? Whatever. And then number three that I do sometimes is feedback that I have for the guest or the person who is on the show. So for example, let's say I'm listening to Lewis, like you asked me such a fantastic question when we started this show together is you said, what is the best feed piece of feedback you have for Lewis? And I was like, oh, that's like an interesting way of thinking about it. So I started doing that with a bunch of other people where I started thinking about what feedback I would have for them. If I ever met them on the street and I would just go like, here's your public speaking feedback, take it, bye. So that's that's the third piece. And then the, the last piece is I rank my episodes. So basically if a show is average, I just have the name of the show and where the podcast is from, the name of the guest. If The show was like, huh, this is pretty good. I write wow next to it. So that way, when I type wow on my Google Keep, I take all my notes on my phone, by the way, so I can sort all my notes. I don't understand people who write stuff in a notebook. All the notes get lost. And you never go back and revisit them. Whereas I revisit my notes all the time. And the third piece, not all of them, but the stuff that's wow, By the way, this is not scientific. I just, I don't know how I came up with this. I remember where I came up with this color coding. Third piece of the legend is Wowza. So W-O-W-Z-A. That's when I have um, something that completely blows my mind. My Like all my guts are spilling on the couch and I'm just like, like I start to question my own life. That's the Wowza episode. There's not a lot of those. I've listened to thousands of episodes, Billy. There's probably 25 Wowzas on my phone.
0: Yeah. And I love that you said you reflect because I think that's so important. And I think often we don't take the time to reflect and really ponder on things and like think through them and why it's blowing your mind as much as it is. And I also think you brought up a great point as to why it's helpful to listen to it at normal speed. For me, when I'm listening, a lot of times I'm preparing for an interview and I'm scanning for information. And so I, I have to like sift through a lot of episodes to find those golden moments that I end up pausing and and waiting. So it works for me in my research mode. But I think in the mode that you're talking about, where you're really trying to digest perhaps an entire interview from somebody that you admire, maybe they're being interviewed by another person you admire. Lewis Howe is having a guest on his show, for example. Then you want to listen at a pace where you could really embrace every bit of it. So the question that I have is a follow-up. You obviously have the podcasters that you like. What about the people who are being interviewed? Do you actively seek out podcast interviews of a particular person, for example? And if so, how do you then decide which podcasts you're going to listen to?
1: Excellent follow-up. So the way I think about this Billy is goes back to the third part of the framework. So number 1 is define, define your goals, define what you're looking for. And then number 2, is filter, right? Listen to a bunch of different guests, different types of people. And number three, go deep on a couple of different people. So actually, I'll tell you the story about how I discovered Lewis. I think that'd be fascinating for you. So when I was 19 or 20 years old, I was looking at TED Talks and I got wind of a TED Talk called How to Change the World Through Education or something by this guy named Adam Braun. He's the founder of Pencils of Promise he, it's a nonprofit. Actually, I'm actually wearing the shirt. That's kind of a weird coincidence. Such an odd coincidence. I didn't even notice I was wearing it as I was telling the story. Anyways, long story short, Adam worked at Bain & Company for two years and then left his six figure job. He went to Brown University, went to an Ivy League school, went to Bain, and then went to start a nonprofit. And back then, I wasn't a big believer in nonprofits. So I primarily watched that TED talk to see why in the world would somebody leave Bain to start a nonprofit. It didn't make any sense to me. And I listened to that 20-minute TED Talk, completely changed my life. I was like, oh my God, wow, the, the way that he thought. He wasn't a great speaker, but the ideas he shared were so good. So I got obsessed with Adam Braun before I found Scott Harrison. So I started looking online for a bunch of interviews and I couldn't find anything except this one white guy who seemed like really muscular. And it was like 2014, 2015. It turns out that was the episode he did with Lewis House because Lewis sits on the board of Pencils of Promise that's how the interview happened because Adam just doesn't do that many interviews. So that's how I discovered Lewis. And then when I started listening to Lewis's episode, I was like, oh, this is actually pretty good. I never knew what a podcast was before that, by the way. And then I went down to episode one. But to directly answer your question, when I find a guest on Lewis's podcast specifically that I really like, and it doesn't happen often, I'll be honest, it happens one in 10, one in 10, one in 20. That I'm really like, my brain is just like shattered. Like I don't understand life anymore. Then I look for other interviews from that specific person. Here's a good example and analogy for people. Think of the podcast like a movie trailer. It's just a long form movie trailer where you're essentially assessing, is this person good enough for your time? Because your time is your most valuable asset. You can't get your time back. You can make a lot of money. You can't get your time back. So when I meet someone that I, I have to be really impressed by them, and then if I am, then I go really deep. So when Scott Harrison was on Lewis's show, I was obsessed. I listened to like 10, 15 interviews, did the whole gamut, read to start reading his annual reports. Like I go really deep when I really like somebody.
0: Let's dive in there. You go really deep. Is this something that you do over multiple days? Do you binge? What what is your approach? Because I think it's really important as at least a framework or give us an idea, because I think a lot of people who hear you, myself included, were in awe and so impressed with your ability to share knowledge that you've learned because you've taken the time to embrace it. And again, going back to what I said earlier, so many people, they're hearing all these thoughts, they're hearing all these ideas, but ultimately they they don't stick. They don't stay. So you're doing something to retain the wisdom. And part of it is that it's almost like a, a, you know, as a public speaking coach, you talk about all the time, get really good at saying the, the same few things over and over again. And I'm wondering, does a similar concept exist with your learning approach, especially as it relates to learning these, from these people who really inspire you, who really give you this like just excitement about, I, I need to learn more from this person. I need to go check out these reports and I need to listen to more episodes that they've been on other shows, more interviews from other shows but what else what else am i not hearing that you're doing to give yourself the advantage and this is why i think it's important that people hear this from you like you have a distinct advantage as a thought leader because you are keeping knowledge that you're gathering
1: you know it's funny and by the way i very appreciate you know your kind words billy i never really thought i was that special as i was developing master talk and, and people were started saying like the stuff that you're saying about me and the reason i was always confused is not because I'm better than anyone or anything. Like that I was just like, anyone can do this. Like, I just put in more time. I think, don't get me wrong, okay? Like, I've since rethought my position on this. Like, let's say you take something like Kobe Bryant. It's a mix, right? He had high volume, but he had some raw talent as well. I only admitted recently that I guess I have a raw talent in this. Though, I mean, I'm, I'm literally sitting in my mom's basement talking to you. Like, uh, with my, I forgot to cut my hair. Like, There's definitely some raw talent. I'll admit that. But I would say like 90% of it is really just volume. Like I just listen to so many. But to your point about retention. So a couple of things. Let's simmer it down to three key steps. Number one, I would just keep it really simple. Follow your excitement. You know, Tim Ferriss talks about that. He says, don't follow your passions. Follow what you're excited about. Like what is just like getting really excited? I'll give you a great example that most of you probably won't agree with. Gary Vaynerchuk. Half of you are probably listen to me and going, I hate that guy. But the other half are going, I really love that guy. And maybe one person who's listening is going, who's that guy? <laughs> Rest for me. I'm a diehard Gary V fan. I don't care if he says the simplest of things. I listened to an hour and a half interview of him two weeks ago. Loved it. Like, I just listened to it. Why did I spend all that time? I've already listened to Like, honestly, go to like those uh, support circles. You're like, I'm Brendan. I have a problem for all the things that we could have. And me, it's like, I have a Gary Vee problem. I just like binge so much. But the thing is, it's like, I'm excited. Like follow your excitement, guys. That's how you retain information. And this is also why you don't remember what your high school history teacher told you because you didn't follow your excitement. You were forced forced to follow a curriculum. That's number one. Number two is you got to take notes, people. If you're just listening to a podcast and you're not taking notes, it's not going to work. Because you're going to forget the knowledge. Literally, for me, man, there are so many great insights in my life I came up with that I actually forgot, and I'm like saddened by it. That's like one of my regrets. I don't even know if it's 70 insights, 700, because I forget to write it down. Since we're on that topic, and you're here, I might as well tell you. Every three months, I actually review, like seriously, I actually review, and I send it to my clients. The first episode we did on Inside Out together. And the reason I do this to remind me of my purpose because you interviewed me so well. You did such a fantastic job. But the other piece was I would actually listen to myself and I'm like, wow, I haven't talked about the love letter exercise since that episode we did together. Like there was an exercise I shared in that episode where, and to give a recap for those who didn't listen. And by the way, you should listen to that. Billy did a great job. And the key is if you write a love letter to the person you're trying to serve, you get more energetically motivated to serve them. But I've never said that in like a year and a half, like it's just kind of a dormant insight. So I was like, oh, I got to like reignite that. That was really good. So even like when I come up with great insights, I actually forget them sometimes. So I have to re-listen to them. I'm actually re-listening to my own shows sometimes and to get it. And this is a key, another key piece that most people don't do that I highly encourage. And it's also makes life so much more fun. Teach it to other people. Like a friendship uh, circle. Like for me, I I think the reason why I'm so in love with my business partner, Vomsey, you know, I'm super grateful he's finally back after one month in the Himalayas. Like I was just like, geez, how do you run a business on your own? It's crazy. But the point is, is like, it's super fun because when Vamsi is there, he's like, what did you learn? I open my notepad and I'm like excitedly teaching him the insights. And he's like, just writing them down, regardless of what they are, because he's just curious. So I think teaching it to other people, not in anything formal in a very informal way, like I do that with you as well, helps it stick. So important. Like actually
0: teaching someone something that you've learned, it makes it sticky. And because you're forcing your mind to create a pathway to think about something in a way where you can make it easy for someone else to understand. In order to do that, you have to give yourself the pep talk to be able to be like, hey, this is what I want to make sure I include in this message to make sure it's super crystal clear and going to do everything it needs to do to be memorable to that other person. And this is is such a foundational element of learning, something that I've always embraced. When you can teach somebody to do something, you're going to remember it forever versus when you just learn something and then you don't put it in practice and then you don't teach somebody chances are it won't stay. Okay, so as we wrap up here, I want to just cover a couple other things. We've talked a lot about you know how you pick the people. We talked about format. You're a big proponent of podcasts. We talked just now in understanding the retention piece and you talked so importantly, you got you to gotta be passionate or excited, an even better word, and you got to write it down. You got to teach other people. What do you think most people do wrong? When it comes to learning, is it that they haven't identified the right person? Is it that they aren't taking notes? Is it they're not following their excitement? Like, are there other things? Like, cause those are the things you should be doing. But what are the things that people aren't doing? Do you think that make them so impressed by what you're doing? Cause you're you're saying that you're almost flabbergasted that people are as impressed as they are because to you it's like 90% work and maybe 10% raw talent. So Where is everyone else missing the mark?
1: Let me focus on some things that are non-obvious. So, of course, the obvious one is like, you know, I feel people should take more notes whenever they're listening, especially if it's people you're going deep on. So, let's say you find one or two people that you're like, these people are amazing. This is when you start listening to the book. This is like I invested eight hours of my life to listen to Scott Harrison's book because I've listened to the intros. I'm like, yeah, I want the full story. And I probably have to listen to it a second time because I want to go deep on that guy. Same thing with Peter Thiel. His book, Zero to One, I've read twice. I should probably read a third time because it's so good. or It's very in line with what I want. So I would say uh, one common mistake people make, Billy, is they generally go off the recommendations of other people instead of following their own excitement. And I'm not saying, and I really want to be careful here, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. But I'm saying if all you're doing is following recommendations, there's not a clear linear path to what you're excited about. You're mostly going off other people's recommendations. I'll give you a great example. There's a book that was probably one of the most recommended books last year. Chris Voss is Never Negotiate the Difference. Pretty much everyone is like, you got to read Chris Voss's book on negotiation. You got to read Chris Voss's book on negotiation. and I'm sure it's a great book, by the way. Chris is awesome. He's a good guy. Listen to his podcast with Lewis. Great stuff. But I didn't read his book. I don't need to invest 78 hours to listen to the book. I listen to the podcast. I'm good. And I move on to the next person. Whereas I think most of us cling on too much to other people's recommendations versus going like, okay, what am I excited about? And when you focus on that, you might find yourself in a quilting book or a quilting podcast, right? Knitting podcast versus what Chris Voss has to say about negotiation. Once again, not a hit on Chris, but the point I want to drive is follow the non-obvious thing? Like, what is the thing that you're excited about? Like, I'll give an example with me because I, I like using personal examples. I don't care who Lewis brings on the show. I don't care what Lewis Howes brings on the show. If it's somebody I don't know, even if it feels it's a bad episode, I still press play because I trust him. Because if he's going through those conversations, they're probably worth listening to. That's my mindset. And a lot of them, they're not that great. But some of them are just like, oh my God, I'm so glad I went through that. That would be the first piece. The second one is to definitely take notes. And I would say the third one is to consolidate those notes. And most people don't do this either, but I'd say to consolidate them in one notepad, just one, where you have knowledge of everything that you got to be taking action on and knowledge that you didn't know. So much gold
0: there. And so let's talk about going deep. Okay. Because you mentioned, obviously you listen to the podcast. That's one thing. You listen to the book, you know, when you find somebody, when you find not necessarily a person that is recommended to you, but where you follow your excitement level. You talked about reports and other things like that. What are some other ways, either they could be just YouTube videos, like just walk us through some of the like ways in which you can go much deeper on a person than Maybe we might already think or might already know.
1: Sure. I, I would say the biggest one, let's start principle. And then I'll give you all the tactics. Once you pick your top 10, stalk them, stalk them to the ends of the earth, like find out everything about them down to when they were born, read the Wikipedia page, do everything. So let me give you a list of everything I did. I would watch their interviews on podcasts, five to 10 interviews. I would listen to YouTube videos if they have a YouTube channel. I would go to their blog if they have any blogs. I would definitely read their book, cover to cover, usually Audible. I would definitely read their Wikipedia page. I would go to their website. I would study their organization. Sometimes I would even go as far as study the employees within that organization. I'll give you an example. Uh, Brian Chesky is one of the people in my top... I'm not sure if he's top 10 or top 20, but he's someone I've, I've deeply studied. He's the CEO of Airbnb. But I've also studied many of the people on Airbnb's board of directors like Angela, who's the CEO of Blue Burberry and used to be this and was the ex SVP at Apple. I've studied Joe Zeday, the first engineer at Airbnb. So I've studied a lot of people that Chris Lehan, the first legal at Airbnb, their chief of legal. So, like, a lot of these people, you're just like, who the hell are these people? <laughs> right. But, but that's the point is when I really like someone, I only mean that in the context of information gathering. Please don't uh, send me death threats. But, anyways, the I want to try is I'm really focused. On the top 10. And I, these are some of the things that I like to do. But the other piece as well is, once again, don't get stuck in the medium. Focus on the mediums that you like. Like, I'll give an example. I'm a huge Seth Godin fan. Huge. Probably one of the biggest ones in the world. I've listened to all of his books, right? I've, like, all of them. Purple Cow, most of them. Okay, 80% of them. Purple Cow, Lynchpin, uh, Tribes. I've listened to most of them. I've listened to every single Akimbo episode. He has 160 podcast episodes on a show. I've listened to all 160, but I haven't listened to every podcast interview that he's guested on, right? I haven't read his blog. There's too many blog posts. I'm not a good reader, so I'm not going to read that stuff. So focus on the mediums that work for you.
0: Okay. So as we think about that and the mediums that work for each of us as individuals, one thing that you know you've made super clear here is that if you're not taking the time to actually take notes then you're doing yourself a, a massive disservice. But it starts with the notes. It shouldn't end with the notes. So once we have the notes, what is your suggestion in terms of revisiting the notes? I know that you've talked about rereading things. You categorize notes by putting wow or wowza. What are some other ideas or suggestions that you could give to make sure that one thing you said is like writing into a, a journal is a little bit less... In your mind, and I do agree, it's a little less efficient and optimized than having it in a a digital format where you could search things by keywords, right? So I think having those keywords is important. But like, what's your process or what's your recommendation for revisiting the notes, which could also include, hey, how do I teach this to somebody else? Uh, But what other suggestions do you have?
1: Man, you're so good at squeezing the the last bit of the the juice, man. Always appreciate that style. I would say... There is one thing that I would love to recommend. And if you do this, it will really be life-changing. So I noticed I was doing this for many years, but I only recently was able to communicate it in the way that other people can implement it. So here's the deal, everyone. Once you have the information on the people you go deep on, there's a couple of things I want you to do. This is people who really are a little bit crazy, like me and Billy, is start to create a timeline of that person's life Okay, so that's why I I know people like Lewis Howe so deeply, because I've studied him for many years. Okay, this is what he did at 22. He started a webinar business. Okay, this is what he did at 27, 28. School of Greatness podcast was his first grasp, Robert Greene, blah, blah, blah. You're figuring out this timeline. But the other piece, okay, which is the most important one, start to give feedback to that individual as if they were your friend. And what this does is it rewires your brain from uh, putting them on a pedestal and idolizing them to seeing them as just a human being that is a friend of yours that you met at a bar or at a pizza place that is your friend. And that, that means if they're your friend, you could probably achieve what they've achieved too. So when you start doing that, then the God, the, the God complex starts to leave your body, starts to leave them, and you really start to focus them as if they're a regular human being because they are just regular human beings. So start to give them feedback. What are the mistakes that you've made, Lewis? Start to write those mistakes down. I've done this exercise many times, and I still do. Oh, Lewis made this mistake. In my opinion, it doesn't mean it's necessarily true. It doesn't mean I'm telling him all of this. But this is it's humanizing that person. And then the other piece is, what does that person done really write that I can implement into my life? And then when you get really advanced with this, since you're pushing me, I might as well give you the full scope. What I do is I've gotten to a place now where I have hundreds of people. And every time I think of somebody, my brain, that person's face is tied to information. So for example, when I think of Seth Godin, the first thought that comes immediately to my head is create thought leadership even on your deathbed. Even if you're dying, still keep pushing the thought leadership of what's possible. That's the number one thing. When I think of Scott Harrison, the number one insight right away, the second I think of that man, immediately it's if you devote your entire life to solving one problem in the world, you might just be able to solve it. That's what my key insight there is. Gary Vaynerchuk. It's the only way to impact a billion lives is to be as simple as shit. So be simple and be powerful and put a lot of volume in. Done. That's like the number one insight. Lewis, master the ability to mirror effectively and you'll be one of the best connectors in the world. Boom. And so I just do this with like so obviously I got a lot more than one insight from each of those people, but since I have hundreds of people like that, what did I learn from Peer? What did I learn from Esther Perot? What did I learn from Shafal Taberi? Blah 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 blah. I'm able to get those nuggets that from those people, but since there's hundreds of them, I'm able to retain hundreds of pieces of information that way. So, what would be
0: one final insight that you want to share as a parting bit of gold? For the listener right now that wants to know, what would be one thing that you haven't yet mentioned as we think about how we could best learn from world changers?
1: You know, I'm glad you asked me that question, Billy, because there is one thing that, you know, you helped me, you probed my mind on a little bit that I actually didn't even think of myself to mention. And that's just a great example of insights, right? As I'm speaking to somebody... I start to develop insights, but the difference is I write them down immediately so I don't forget them. So here's the insight that I just invented right now in the show is something I do, but I don't communicate well enough for other people to learn, which is what is the mistake? What are the mistakes with the S that the people that I admire in my top 10 have made that I shouldn't be making in mine? Other human beings who are much older than us, wiser than us, they have one thing that we don't have, which is lived experience. For you, somebody in their 60s, you could learn from. For me, it's somebody in their 40s, 50s, 60s. What are the mistakes that person has made? Especially when we blueprint, when we do that exercise and we do that timeline, we can look at all the points in their life and see the mistakes that they made. So I'll give you the best example. Lewis, right, got into a lot of relationships in his 20s. So in his 30s, and he says this publicly, but he's very open about it, which I very appreciate about him, by the way. He sat down and he goes... You know, Tom, he was on an interview with Tom Billy, and he said, every relationship that I was in in my 20s, just, I regret that. I should have just grew up as a person first and then dated with the right idea, the right intention, and I would have suffered a lot less in my 20s. He's very open. And then Tom Billy, in an interview with Lewis or other people, he said, my only regret in life is I wasted five years of my life making a lot of money and doing stuff I didn't like. I just did that for the money. I wish I would have gotten those five years back. Scott Harrison said, I wasted my entire 20s clubbing, like getting people drunk in clubs. My girlfriend was on Vogue. I had a Rolex watch and a BMW and I was the worst human being that I knew. So I looked at all those people and I said, okay, these are people that I deeply admire, but they're flawed human beings like all of us, right? Going back to how versus wow, going back to treat them as colleagues, not gods. And when I started doing that, I started realizing, oh, I'm in my 20s right now. I should really just focus on impact, helping other people, not worry about the money, not worry about the relationships either. I should just grow as a human being first so I can make better decisions to find a significant other in my 30s, as examples. And I should just focus on work that I absolutely love. So I quit my six-figure corporate job to do this full-time. So even if some part of me is like, crap, I left a lot of money on the table, I know based on listening to Tom Billy that when I'm 30 and I'm making the same amount of money or more on doing mass talk, which I will very soon because it wasn't that much money, actually, now that I think about it, retrospect, I will have made the right decisions. So don't just listen to them. Don't just write information on what you learned. Also figure out what are the mistakes that they've made, which will really force you to study them that you shouldn't be making yourself.
0: So brilliant. And I couldn't think of a better way to end. I especially love that you make it a priority to look at the blueprint of their life and go back and really almost reverse engineer everything that they've done, think about it from a perspective of what advice would you give them? What missteps or mistakes have they had? Not to say that you're necessarily always going to be right, that that is an actual mistake. Maybe maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But what advice would you give them? And then what one insight comes to the, your mind as you think about the people who you study, right? And I, we've talked about personal board of directors, I had a dream last night, super vivid dream with Elon Musk. Okay, just these types of things happen when you think about somebody a lot, when you're thinking about how they make decisions, when you're thinking about their life, when you think about the things that they've done to change the world. And when you think about these people enough and you really start to visualize how would they make decisions? What insights have I learned from them that are the most meaningful, have given me the most things to think about that I've reflected upon to where I believe that because I know this, I now make decisions in a different way. I now make different things a priority. I decide to do things in a certain way because of that person's influence on me. That's why that word influence exists. And people are afraid to use that word, which I'm not because influence is so vital. It's so crucial to our ability to connect with people and make an impact in the way in which they think to rewire their brains to where they can do things in a different way than they would have if they did not have that exposure to you. So influence is incredibly important. And it's incredibly important as an influencer or as somebody who wants to influence other people, you're embracing other people's knowledge and influence and things that have helped to make them such a powerful force For humanity. Until next time, we hope you all make it a great one. Thanks for being here, and we can't wait to talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. Breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Inside out.